Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ plus authors. I'm Anita Kelly and my guest today is Stella Foss. Hi, Stella. Hey, Anita. How are you doing? I am well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. Well, I am so excited to talk about your soon to be released book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is called Vampires of a Certain Age. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that book? Sure. Absolutely. So in Vampires of a Certain Age, the main character, Marion Chase, is a healer in medieval England who is accused of witchcraft and is saved by a vampire named Vivienne. And in the process of being saved, she actually becomes a vampire herself. And as a healer, she's really interested in how to help other vampires. She is really interested in being an ethical vampire and eventually, centuries later, ends up buying a blood bank outside Chicago and providing what she calls ethically sourced blood to vampires of the Midwest. That is hysterical. It was fun. It was fun to write. And meanwhile, she, way back in the day, in medieval times, she had fallen in love with her best friend and was shunned by the villagers as a result. And eventually... Her blood bank is inspected by an FDA inspector named Rachel, who is the spitting image of Marion's medieval lover. Aww. What comes around goes around? Is that how it is? That's right. That's right. That's Only, of course, so... Go ahead. In the, present, in the present day, they're adversaries because the FDA agent is trying to get to the bottom of what's really going on in this blood bank. Aha. Aha. Got it. Got it. All right. This sounds intriguing. This sounds like a a great book. And I, I uh, went online and already um, in your pre-release, you have some really great reviews on it. Um, I don't know if you've seen those or not, um, but they were all, uh, I think you're like a five-star review and it, uh, you know, people were writing, oh, this is, this is more than just a vampire book, um, which it totally sounds like it, that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. It, it, the reviews are just really, really fun. I'm really enjoying, I'm enjoying how much people are enjoying this book. It's really uh, terrific as an author to, to see the people love it. Oh, that's wonderful. So, uh, Stella, you typically write about empowering older women, right? And and what prompted you to write a book about vampires? I I really like to push back on the stereotypes about older women in our culture through writing. And a main character who's a powerful five hundred year old seemed like the perfect counter trope uh, to push back on on all those stereotypes. And also, I'm really enjoying redefining vampires as superheroes, and in particular, lesbian defenders of women. I'm just just really enjoying that. Awesome. That that sounds great. I, I'll go along with that. Um, and so what uh, what prompted you to, to, you know, call your book Vampires of a Certain Age? 
So a while back, I read Deanna Rayborn's book, Killers of a Certain Age. Uh -huh. And I just thought, what a fun title to sort of play with that about older women, women of a certain age. And then I thought, how could we make this even more so? How could we really blow this up? And I thought taking it to the next level, how about vampires of a certain age? Oh, I love that. That's great. That's a great story. Um, so what what do you think are your main themes then in Vampires of a Certain Age? Um, women's agency is is one of the main themes that runs through the whole novel. The women in this story, many of whom are, are women vampires, are really powerful figures and anybody who gets in their way lands in a heap of trouble. So that's one of the main themes. Another theme is the evolution of the way society looks at women who love women. And when I was researching for this book, I found out that as late as the 1800s in England, uh, women who were accused of sodomy, which was typically a charge that was levied against gay men, but when women were charged with sodomy, judges would find them not guilty because, as one judge put it, sex between women is as likely as thunder playing the tune of God save the king. Wow. So, in other words, there was that irony that women were saved by sexism, that there was this assumption that there really was no such thing as lesbian love. That women just couldn't possibly be without a man. That's right. That's right. How no such that? thing as sex without a man. So therefore not guilty. So, so you use that in your book, I believe, right? Um, I use yeah, I use a variant of it. That's right, I did. Yeah. I, so I said, when Marion's on trial, that's right, and she's on trial for witchcraft, and one of the charges is that she was sexual with her with her best friend, and the judge said, "Sex between women." I I made this up, but it was a variant on what the real judge had said later. Sex between women is as likely as a goose laying a Christmas pudding. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And um, I love that there's a whole reality to that, right? Um, there really is. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's great. L lucky for uh, the woman on trial. Exactly. Yeah. So how about that? So um, you had said, Stella, that your uh main character marion was um uh, running a blood bank for mm -hmm. ethically sourced blood mm -hmm. so what exactly is ethically sourced blood marion started out her time as a vampire as one of a group of women vampires who took a, a, a vow not to harm innocent people and to protect women in particular. So for hundreds of years, she had been trying to find ways to feed herself that would keep to her vows and eventually was able to buy a blood bank outside Chicago. And she learned, she was, she was a healer and a scientist, and she learned that the diseases that affect humans that can be transmitted through blood 
don't affect vampires. This is a construct in this story. Okay. So, um, so therefore, anything that was found to be infected through the extensive testing, which of course every blood bank does, mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of destroying that blood, which is typically what's done, they were using it to feed vampires in the area. Okay. So, so ethically sourced blood is blood that would have been wasted, but mm -hmm. actually makes good food for these folks in the story. Great. How did you come up with that idea? I used to work in biotech and I did a lot of work with biologics, visited blood banks. So I was really familiar with the testing process there and, and how extensive it is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so when I was thinking about this character, Marion, this healer vampire, uh, I just thought that would be a, a, a great way for her to, um, to keep with her ethics and yet, um, and yet live comfortably as a vampire and help other vampires in the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's uh very clever of you really is. Um, and I like that you are drawing, uh, from all these real life scenarios, uh, and putting them incorporating them into your book. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's really cool. So, um, all right. So Stella, your main character is Marion Chase, and she's 500 years old. So tell me, what can an older mortal woman learn from Marion? Well, Marion is in the unusual position of having problems because she doesn't visibly age. So unlike us mortal women who may get to a point where because of societal pressures, we try to look younger than we actually are. Marion has the opposite problem. If she stays in one place very long, if she's living and working in one place, eventually people start to notice that she isn't visibly aging and she has to do things to try to make herself look older. And I just really appreciate the irony of that. And I think readers do too that it's the same problem that we have, but flipped on its head. Yeah, that's so, very clever. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so timely because there's so much conversation going on now about, for example, celebrities who try to look younger than their age and whether they're trying too hard. And it seems like you, you, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. So, So it's fun to have a character who's having that problem. And the other thing that I think we can learn from and think about when we're when we read about Marion is that even for us, with when we hit 70, which I'm about to hit next month, we've lived twice as long as the average lifespan in medieval England. So when Marion became a vampire, she was a little bit under 40. She was already a very, very old woman. So she has problems when she's 500 years old. She has so many memories that it's hard for her to, to think about everything that's happened in her past. And I think that's true for many of us. We get to a point where it's hard to think about the fact that for me, for example, I remember the 48 star American flag and it just, just blows my mind that I remember that. I remember watching President Eisenhower play golf 
you know, wow. it seems like a different lifetime. And she's had a bunch of lifetimes stacked on top of each other. That's true. That's so true. That's funny that you say that because I, um, I did this presentation on gen, uh, different generations in the workplace and um, and talked about how you know you're shaped by the occurrences in your life and and um, you know folks who are in like the the beyond boomers like the silent generation right they they had so much they saw so many changes in their lives. Um, you know, that was really like the, in, the start of the industrial age and, and it just kept on going. Uh, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah. So if you're 500 years old, um, imagine the changes <laughs> that you see, you know? Uh, yeah. 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 It's really true. I mean, for, for Marion, high tech was a horse and buggy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And maybe rubber on the wheels then, right? <laughs> maybe maybe I, i'm not sure but yeah yeah that's incredible um so so your other character uh rachel is it uh Suter? Sutter Sutter mm -hmm. um she's in her 50s and mm -hmm. she is is really the youngest woman in the uh central romance um so how unusual is that in stories and and in life Mm. I think those are two very different things. You know, um, even now, if you go to publish a romance novel through a traditional publisher, mm -hmm. if your character, if your main characters are over 40, it's considered what's called a seasoned romance, which really? means about older characters. And, you know, from my vantage point, 40 just seems incredibly young to be considered seasoned. I think, you know, that's lightly seasoned, if anything, you know, yeah, I like that. So, so yes, Rachel is the younger woman in the story, um, falling in love with a 500 year old and, and that is um, becoming more and more common to have stories with a, with a 50 year old love interest, a woman who's the love interest, but it's not as common as it could be. I, I encourage women of all ages to write romance. You know, we we need more stories about powerful, vivid older women um, to counteract the stereotypes in our culture. And I do think it's a lot rarer in stories than it is in real life. Um, there are so many women who are rediscovering romance in their lives after age 50 and not that many in stories that are published. So I hope, I hope your listeners will get out there and write their stories, write their vivid stories. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, you know, I, I, I know that um, many women uh, are actually coming out later in life. Uh -huh. um, and, uh -huh. and so there aren't a lot of, you know, uh, women loving women romances or mysteries or, you know, any genre that uh, reflects that age. Um, there are very few. Um, and there are some some authors mm -hmm. who do it really well. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, but there could be more. Yeah, there could. There definitely could. So that's quite an age gap. Five hundred and fifty. I think mm -hmm. that's the uh, 
the the biggest age gap that I've come across. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm. Um, so, uh, in your first novel, uh, that was brilliant, charming bastard. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that took place in a, a biotech startup, um, and mm-hmm. and this novel is set partly in a blood bank. Um, so, mm-hmm. so why the focus on science in your novels? Um, it's partly because of my own background. I was in biotech for thirty five years. Really? Did, yeah, yeah. I did a lot of work in biologics, so I visited a lot of blood banks. And I also worked in diagnostics companies and medical device companies. So I'm really familiar with those surroundings and with the kinds of challenges and opportunities that come up for women in that environment. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason. And I just I think I think scientific questions are really interesting to look at in a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's just my bias. I think I'll probably keep writing. Not all my novels will be set in a scientific setting but i think probably a lot of them will mm-hmm. because it's something i enjoy okay and, and what what um did you do in the biotech world i wrote submissions to the food and drug administration for approvals of new products and negotiated with fda so my longest submission that i wrote was 32 volumes and it was exactly my height stacked up it was five feet six inches tall oh my goodness one stella tall how long did it take you to work on that oh it took uh it was a while ago but i think it took about 18 months to put that together wow and of course i I was working with a team i was the i was a lead writer but i was working with a team of other folks who were generating tons of data and i was doing a lot of the the writing about explaining what the significance of the data was. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was fun, interesting work. And at the same time, I'm really glad to be writing exactly what I feel like now. Yeah, very different, right? Very different. And it's nice to be able to share it with people. The work I did in biotech is all sitting in file drawers in Bethesda. Nobody gets to see it. So yeah, this is, this is more fun. Definitely. And, um, you probably get much more feedback from, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. get, get more, more interesting feedback too, I would say. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you know, you write more interesting, uh, you know, things and you're going to get more interesting feedback, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, what are you hearing? Speaking of feedback, uh, what are you hearing from readers? Um, so far, people seem to be really enjoying the book. And one of the f- things someone said that I thought was really fun was somebody said, "This is the uh, this is the rise of the matriarchal vampire." And I just I love that phrase. I may I'm I'm probably going to do a series of books about uh, women vampires and. I might call the series the matriarchal vampires or the vampire matriarchs. Wow. It just strikes me as a really fun phrase for a series. Definitely. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, I like that. Hmm. We'll have to uh, make a hashtag out of that. 
<laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so it's receiving good reviews. You're, or you're receiving good reviews and mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. that's great. That's always, always nice when you're uh, getting some positive feedback. Um, people seem to really like it. They like the concept of ethical vampires. Yeah. Yeah. That's not often the case, right? So yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, this is, this is kind of flipping the, flipping the vampire myth on its head. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's great. So, um, Stella, what's next? Uh, are you are you planning a movie script? Um, I I would love to write a movie script based on this book. I think it would be a really great film. Yeah. So I may do that. <clears throat> you know, there's a there's a uh, retreat that's held once a year in upstate New York that's funded by Oprah and some other actresses of a certain age and it's for women screenwriters over 40 it's called the writer's lab so that would be a really great place to send to send this and see if i could uh, be able to participate in that retreat i would love it they bring in industry folks to talk about scripts and how they're developed so that would be a really cool thing that would be really just a once in a lifetime thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would. Yeah. So, yeah. Is, that, is that something that that really interests you that you're considering, or uh, just a, a a dream for maybe later? Oh, I definitely would like to do that. You know, <clears throat> I think it's a lot easier to take a full novel and bring it down to a screenplay than it is to you know, develop a screenplay from scratch. So yeah, I'd really like to do that. And then I have other projects on the horizon, uh, one of which will be a novel based on one of the minor characters in this novel, Vivienne, who's the character who saves Marion from, <clears throat> from the mob at the beginning of the novel when the men of the village have decided that Marion is a witch and they're after her. Okay. So that character, I think, uh, I think would be a really interesting one to develop. She's a swordswoman who has gone completely against the grain of expectations for women. She was born in the 1400s and uh, decided that she was going to live a totally different life than what was expected. So I think that would be a really great character to develop. Yeah, yeah. When you said a swordswoman, I like envisioned like a, I don't know, swashbuckler kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So she's very much like that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. She's a wild woman. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, are you planning like? Is that going to be like a sequel to this, um, or is it just like another standalone? Um, do you th see that as part of this uh, matriarchal vampire series? Yeah, yeah. It would actually be a prequel to this one because it would start, she's 100 years old at the beginning of this novel that's okay. about to publish. So it would start with her origin story 100 years earlier. So it definitely would be a prequel in, in this series. Wow, that's great. Um mm -hmm. And and then so, 
have you thought about how many books will go into this series? Um, how many characters you're going to need to develop? It's sort of open-ended. I think it depends on, um, you know, how they're received and, and how much energy I end up having for this particular series. But there are 12 women in the uh the sort of colony that Marion joins in the city of York right after she becomes a vampire okay. and those women come back into her life later on and I think several of those would have an interesting story to write about for example there's a woman vampire named Sybil who at the at the midpoint of the book goes off to become a barber surgeon and um, of course would need to be um, a cross-dressing woman in order to do that. She would need to pretend that she's male to be able to, to have that career. Mm -hmm. And I think she would be a really interesting person to write about. And of course, you know, obviously that fits in with my background too, because Bloodletting for a long time was the standard of care for a lot of illnesses, yes. even though it actually was counterproductive for almost everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if you're a vampire, of course, it would have been a very convenient career to have. <laughs> yes, that's so true. So um, once again, um, it's vampires of a certain age. Mm -hmm. by Stella Foss and mm -hmm. when will we see this out on the in the public market it's up for pre-order now on a bunch of online websites uh probably most of the ones that folks know about okay. they'd be able to find the pre-order and then it's going to actually publish on the 15th of September Awesome. And at that point, it'll be available everywhere, including you'll be able to go to your own local bookstore and order it because uh, it will be on Ingram Spark, which is uh, a place where folks can where bookstores can order for uh, books by independent authors. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. 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 So you don't have to patronize the the big online stores to get it. You can go right to your local bookstore, your local independent bookstore and get it. Wonderful. That's good to hear. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So Stella, any parting words for our listeners? I just think that what the world needs is a lesbian vampire superhero. And so that's my goal. All right. Fill the world with lesbian vampire superheroes Damn. because, you know, somebody's got to save this world. You're right. And why not a lesbian vampire? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And thank you. thank you so much for having me. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. It was fun talking with you. And I am looking forward to Vampires of a Certain Age that's uh, coming out on September 15th. So wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Take care. That's all the time we have for today. And thanks for joining. Let's talk about books, baby. And until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, 
peace be plenty and be safe, folks.